Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. You're about to hear a favorite from the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze archive. This show originally aired on January 26th, 2017. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. It's Chinese New Year, so we're going to go right into dumplings. We're going to go dumpling crazy, in other words. How to make them at home, it's easier than you think. We're going to talk about sheet pan dinners, how my friend Dawn made root vegetable soup. It was so delicious and so easy to do without dairy. It was really quite remarkable, and we found a good wine for you. This is one of those $10 a bottle. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, Mark Raymond, and our senior producer, Robin Doyon Aiken. Hey, everybody. Hey. hey. All right. I want to start with this because this is one of my favorite things. There is a woman, Ruth Benjamin, who lives in Marshall, Illinois. Hmm. And this past week, she turned 109. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Happy Good birthday. Wow. She looks absolutely amazing. The doctor who makes house calls for her whenever she phones him said she's obviously someone born with a beautiful immune system, good genes, but they asked Ruth, and he said, my job is to do as little as I can to interrupt this beautiful flow of her life, which I adore. But I'm bringing her up on the show not only because it's really pretty terrific just to hear about her, but her doctor said hard work a loving family, a wonderful marriage, and she never drank, she never smoked, but she was happy in her life. And I think that is part of the key to her longevity. But when they asked Ruth Benjamin Mm. what she thought was the key to her longevity, she said, I have potatoes some way every day, and I love kraut, and I love bacon. Oh, there you that go. Is why we it's are the bacon thing. Yeah. Yeah. See? Bacon. I always knew it. They say it's dangerous, but it turns out no. No, it's good no. for you. That's why I Feed eat a, a lot of bacon. Life. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, here's something that we've discovered. We have found. Can you all help me describe oh, wow. this? A picture of this. Looks like a beautiful tea box. This yeah. is yeah. A, a humidor spice box. Oh, it looks like a humidor. humidor. It's yeah. a great description, Alex. This is a box that came in the mail. And it's wooden. It's very light. I think it's kind of balsa. And beautiful carved letters on the top, pinch this spices. And you open up the box and there are these little divisions inside the box. And in each little box inside the box, there are one teaspoon packets of spice. Wow. And we have this posted at foodschmooze.org, how to get to this. The idea with this, this is somebody's invention, pinch this, you get one teaspoon measurements of every single spice. There's so many kinds of spices, and they have lists of a million. They're very fresh. You've all smelled how this smelled Mm, with this coming Mm -hmm. out of it. Amazing. When you run out of a particular category, 
you just scan the little teeny packet, the barcode, on your phone, and uh-huh. in the mail, it comes right back to you. I love uh-huh. that part. That's so cool. And like each Amazon. of these little <laughs> yeah. spice packets of one teaspoon each is 99 cents. Wow. That's great. And, they, and they're fresh, and so that's you, the key. That's what you so need fresh, in spice. Right? Yeah. So say yeah. what you mean yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah, the fresher they are, the more strength they have. And if you've had a container of, I don't know, let's say coriander seeds in your cabinet like I have for, I don't know, six months to a year and they sat in the supermarket for six months to a year and then in the or warehouse two. yeah th- as they no, get in the warehouse yeah, yeah and as they get older the oh, strength goes, goes away yeah. and they sort of lose everything i tell people this story all the time we switched spice companies at the restaurant and the first day we did it we didn't even think about it we made our mashed potatoes like we always did same recipe and we couldn't eat them the pepper was so strong and wow. we only put a little white pepper wow. in it. Yeah. But the old white pepper, we had to use X amount. And this, we ended it's up like using yeah, yeah, using half the amount. The strength really does. Well, or the, the freshness makes it. There's something difference. so inspiring and yeah. encouraging about mm. getting a spice where when you take off the lid or open the packet like these, yeah. this incredible aroma. Mm. I mean, it's just mm. pouring out of this box when I open the lid. This box is the starter kit. So you can order the starter kit. That. And then you just scan on your phone. Because you download the app and boom, you're off and running, and you just never yeah. run out of the spices. Yeah. And the I ones you it. the ones you use the most, you, you get buy more like of. four of or five of, and the ones you use the less, you could have one in reserve. Right? It's, it's a great idea. This is uh, posted yeah. on our Wish website. I thought of it. At <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, it's such a great <laughs> Me idea. Me too. I was any right cook would love this. Need a time Absolutely. machine. It's uh, posted at foodschmooze.org right now. Can we talk as a group about sheet pan dinners before we Hmm. get to dumplings in a little while for Chinese New Year? Sheet pan (laughs) Mm -hmm. dinners. This is like the new kale. There's a lot of talk about this. I don't know who started it. It could be Food 52, but somebody started this thing, and now I'm excited. Mm-hmm. It because was some busy mom. Was I, it? I'm, well, I'm, just I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it all in one pan. Chuck it in the oven. I got to go. Yeah, Salt and exactly. pepper. All right. So, so, you know, the whole idea is that you chop up your mm-hmm. various vegetables. Yeah. The protein part, that what I call the mm-hmm. meat part, yeah. whether it's chicken or pork, you slice that thin mm-hmm. and you put that in with the mix. You could add some spices or not, but you mm-hmm. toss it all in olive oil and then it goes into the oven. That's a sheet pan dinner. You stir mm-hmm. a couple times, you're done. And I think it's a wonderful way to cook. Absolutely. For, for Foil line the sheet pan and there's not even any cleanup. Yeah, there you go. I love it. And if you I have a convection it. oven, turn it on and it speeds things up, right? That's As right. We learned. It, it cooks evenly. So, so Chris, I've always wondered this. When you put down foil, mm-hmm. does the foil prevent the browning? Nope. No. no. What about parchment paper? Is that the same? Parchment paper is about the same. I like foil because it conducts heat. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes well, sense. But okay. If you and you can make it, a packet too. If it's getting too brown, you can sort oh, of roll it, it up sure. and tent yeah. it and steam yeah. it a little bit. I just like the idea. The, the one thing you have to really watch is that everything cooks the same. So if you, you have things in, that cook same. a little faster, you cut them a little larger. Right. And if you have things that cook a little slower, you cut them smaller. And then hopefully everything gets done at the same time. That's so the key. I went to one site, Food 52, mm-hmm. and they were saying – 
you can add fruit too. So one sure. person that I read said I like to add grapes oh. to Brussels sprouts. Those mm-hmm. things actually really? taste delicious together. Huh. So she's chopping up her Brussels sprouts, throwing them in the pan, and then tossing in grapes. Yeah. And so you've got Sweet. fruit and yeah, vegetables yeah, yeah. and protein if you want it or Thinking don't want it. Pork and pineapple. Is fun. Yeah. yeah, you could add That's nuts. Could I like Brussels sprouts with bacon and walnuts. Those yeah, two those are, are good absolutely. It's oh, one of my favorites yeah. too. I like what Alex said. I would do. Ham and pineapple. Ooh. Yeah. Right? So I cook chicken Chris's way, low and slow. So just last night I do chicken thighs, salt and pepper, a little olive oil, garlic, and then cut up a beet and some new potatoes. It goes in, and, yeah. you know, and forget about it, and then it's so good. I love, you know, lamb tends to be expensive with the uh, the, the, the specific type or, of chops or mm-hmm. the T-bone, but there's certain times where you can get lamb chops that are like the shoulder cuts sure. that are a little less expensive, and they're probably maybe a half-inch thick cut. You lay those on, and I do some shaved fennel, rosemary, garlic, mm. and some potatoes, oh. and it's just oh, that's a good. Do you do it as a sheet pan? Thing? One sheet pan thing. Yeah. Yep, and all roasted together. Mm-hmm. So they told me I've started reading about this like crazy, and somebody said, you know, at the last minute, you could do actually the whole thing under the broiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris, sure. maybe you can explain that because uh, I thought at the last minute. I would take my sheet pan and just run it under the broiler for a few minutes, and so things had a crispness, a caramelization. But you can do the whole thing under the broiler. You just have to be very careful and watch it, right? (laughs) Right. You just you're going to burn it. Yeah, it's but it it would go a lot faster. Is the thing right? Yeah. Because you have a lot more intense heat, so you would move the stuff around a lot more. And you could flip it it once. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I think moving it, moving it in and out. If you put it only under the broiler, not in the oven, that it would not burn. Before it cooked, mm-hmm. lower the you, rack, or just move it around a lot faster. How a lot far more from, from the, the top? Where yeah. would your rack be? I take it down one rung, but you still want to be close to the broiler because that's how you're that, in that heat. In yeah. that intense heat, that cooks it differently than in the Do oven. Do you keep right? the door open or closed? Always keep the door open when I broil. Yeah. And then how you, much? Just a few inches yeah, in that yeah, position. That first, whatever that first. And why do you do is, that? Uh, because it can get too hot. Because yeah. that's Smell full board. Quicker. Yeah, that's full board. <laughs> yeah. And and again, you want to be there when you broil. You want to be there, right? Yeah. You want to be there, and you, don't you walk away from yeah. it. Yeah, because things burn quickly. But if you move stuff around, you'll cook it very fast. So I like to tell a story on myself that I've burned ten thousand dollars worth of nuts nice. in the course of my life, maybe yeah. more. Mm-hmm. So, so Robin, I'm saying because I know you like to use nuts too in your cooking. I put the nuts in almost at the end of cooking because they burn so fast. So here's another place where I would burn nuts, you know, where I I just absolutely ruin them. So, Chris, when would you put them in? First of all, I never broil nuts anymore because I'm with you. I've burned thousands of dollars worth of nuts. They just I only put them in the oven. Yeah, they just – you blink and they're gone. I don't know Mm. what it is, right? Time stops in your head and you're like, oh, I have plenty of – and then the smoke's pouring out of They're the kind of like firewood in a yeah. way. So <laughs> yeah, I exactly. never, Kindling. ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if anything, I'm the type of guy that will do them on the stovetop and then add them after. That's right. <laughs> Just because I, no, I'm like you. that's a really good yeah, idea. Yeah, because I'm like you. I don't know what it is. Just certain <laughs> things I burn. That's one of them. You can't help it. Even yeah. when I do them in the oven, I oh. forget. And then all of a sudden, there's uh-huh. puffs of smoke yeah. coming out of Even the Even though oven. I'm standing watching <laughs> because I thought, don't get it. distracted. And so I stare at them. It's still possible to burn My staff. <laughs> my, my staff has a thing where they yell squirrel, and that's, that's how I am. <laughs> anyway. um, so here's now I'm going I'm to tell you how to turn that roasted vegetable sheet pan into a soup. Oh, nice. Oh. And this is not my idea. Mm-hmm. A very good friend of mine, Dawn Hosevar, who lives in Branford, Connecticut, in Stony Creek, 
she did this, and I was over to dinner, and I was so impressed. The soup was so delicious that it was a Mm -hmm. meal. Mm -hmm. So what she did was take a bunch of root vegetables of all kinds, toss them in some olive oil, put that sheet pan into the oven, let it roast for a while, you know, took her spoon in and tossed them a little bit. As soon as they were quite cooked... Yeah, uh, and it looked good to her and just touched them with a fork and said, yes, those are really cooked. She then put it into a bowl and she said, now I want, I'm going to put this in my blender or food processor to make soup. Now, what do I want to do? She thought, well, I want, I've used a little bit of olive oil. Some recipes would say butter, mm-hmm. you know, plus olive oil, but she said, I don't want the butter. I want the olive oil. Okay, good so far. She put salt and pepper on it. Fine. Most recipes would tell you to add heavy cream to something like that to make soup. And she said, she thought to herself, I don't want to have heavy cream. What can I do? She tossed in soft tofu. Oh. Oh. Sure. Dumped Mm -hmm. it in the processor in batches Mm -hmm. for each bowl. And that's the protein, too. Yes. What came Mm -hmm. out was this silky, thick, wonderful soup. Wow. Oh my god. It was no, it. no just liquid fantastic. No water or chicken stock or no. You don't no. need it because the soft tofu is quite watery. Exactly. Yeah. No, you don't need it. And it's got a silky consistency. And when so it's it becomes very yeah. stew. Just like cream. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. So Alex, if you took that tofu and put it in the blender by itself yeah. and pureed it, you would end up with stuff that looks like a really thick cream. Really? Wow. Yeah. The only thing that I would think to do, and I didn't think it at the time because I thought it was perfect. So mm-hmm. I'm not in any way criticizing her because I thought this is a fabulous idea. I might have because I like to do that. I would have put some sprinkled toasted nuts on the top. Oh, to yeah. give it a little crunchy. Just because, some yeah, burnt yeah. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Some some burnt or, nuts. Or if you want to <laughs> keep it, or if you want to keep it like true to that, some seeds. I used, and I would have burned the like soup pumpkin too. Seeds <laughs> or, pumpkin seeds or sunflower yeah. seeds. Yeah, toasted. I like that. Good on idea. Kind of soup. Yeah. So, Robin, you have a thing about instead of pignoli. What do you use? All right. Sunflower seeds a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. And so I borrowed your idea the other day and toasted them, then started eating them by the handful. (laughs) And I thought, you know, these are just as good as pignoli. I can't believe it. And uh, half the price. (laughs) I mean, spring for guests, you know, definitely. But for yourself, it's good. We're going to celebrate Chinese New Year and tell you how to make dumplings, Chinese dumplings at home. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry Among Us. We're online now at foodschmooze.org and we'll be right back. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired on January 26, 2017. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. 
Cornbread had a fight. Beans, Beans knocked Cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready. Ah, we have a free podcast for you, meaning you'll never miss a drop of pleasure on this show. You just sign up for it once at our site, and then we automatically send you our show every week so you can listen on your schedule. Just go to our site, foodschmooze.org, put in your email address, and that is it. it. That's it. And then you just, you look at your phone or your your device, and you just say, hey, oh my God, there's the show. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine brokers, Alex Province of Hartford, and Mark Raymond of Weathersfield. Should we start with the wines at an incredible price? We've got two wines for you. These are great. Delicious, aren't they? With Asian foods, but just for drinking around the table. Table weeknight wines, ten dollars a bottle. Let's start with the rosé. Let's pour a little of this rosé into the glass. There we go. Mark Raymond, this is from. So this is from Finca El Origin in Argentina, the Uco Valley, and this is a rosé of Malbec. Wow, I don't think I've ever had a Malbec. Mm. And I'll Malbec. tell you what, this Whoa. is. Wow, that's delicious. It's got some backbone to it. It really does. It has some good, steady Talk about food wine. You know, fruit to it. I love it. Yeah. The rosé is actually just the first press, so it doesn't get any skin contact, so it's a very pale, pale pink. Beautiful, um, though. And it's got beautiful dry You mean they trench. don't put any skin in the mix? They don't let the skins marinate. Uh, marinate. With, right. <laughs> touch, really? Touch then the where juice. does the pink come from? So the pink comes from just that little skin contact as they're crushing the grapes. Oh, yeah. it squeezes so the longer, out a little. It the longer it sits, right. the darker red it gets. It becomes. So these are handcrafted, in other words, in the old school way. They're not adding junk to the wine. Absolutely. Correct. Wow. This is the first uh, 2016 rosé. I've had of the year. See, wow. there you it's go. A good one to start with, <laughs> and the price the is color. unbelievable. Yeah, ten dollars a bottle. Ten dollars a bottle. That's amazing. Yeah. You just can't beat this. So I want it to be summer really, again. You can't. Beat I know. It. You this is it. on our website right now. You can drink rosé all year I do. round, though. I do. You really yeah. can. Chris, yeah, you're at seeing, a restaurant, and for the first time, we're seeing upticks in the sales of rosés. I mean, year round, always, year, year round, round, and they've always yeah. been like a small market of people that like them. So we've always had them, and now we're actually for the first time really starting to see people coming in and asking for specific types. And Dry rosé, yeah, yeah, which is new. So really we've is. learned that it used to be just the French make rosés. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, in America, it yeah, started sure. out as Pink Zinfandel. Yeah, so the but, sweet which wine. is a sweet wine. And then we started to get on to European, and now California makes some beautiful rosés. But these from South America, from Italy and Spain, I'm just in love with them, and they all are slightly different from each other. They're at a great price point often, although there are a few that are very expensive. Very sure. expensive. French ones, Tavel. And yes. So this one is a steal Ten at bucks. $10 a bottle at our websites, Finca El Origen. A Malbec rosé made in Argentina. Go to foodschmooze.org to get the details, a picture. Take this to your wine store or call ahead and make sure they'll get it for you in 24 hours, as we explain on the site. Absolutely. It has so much flavor, though. You know, sometimes um, rosés are sort of like watery. This is just rich, mouthful of smacking. That's the Malbec. Yeah. Absolutely. It's hard to believe $10. I don't believe it. I know. I know. I agree. And what I love about it, too, is it goes. 
goes with so many different things. Let's yeah. talk you about know, that. I love people. we're you know we're talking about Brunch. dumplings. <laughs> sure, dumplings are great with this. You know, Brunch. Asian Asian food. I love it with Spanish food, Mexican food, like gambas al ajillo, some yeah, shrimp and absolutely. olive oil and garlic. And I don't, don't Calamares know. a la plancha Ooh. with Ooh. roasted garlic. Oh. I don't know if I'm different from other people or those of you here on the show, but I will have a rosé that has a richness or a body to it like this one yeah. with anything on my table, including a steak. I would have it with pork, with chicken, salad. with fish, with yeah. salad. Alex, yeah. your wonderful idea. Salad with Eggs protein. And, brunch. Yeah. Mm. and it has body enough yeah. in it to hold up to or it's steaks or lamb. Yeah. Or. You know, with these rosés, I will put them in an ice bucket. I'll mm. even flash them in the freezer Yeah, just mm. before I'm about to pour it because the colder they are, the more I like them. Me yeah. too. And even Crisp. in the winter, I feel that it's this kind of bracelet fresh thing when people are coming in the door or with your meal if you're having a party people coming over for the weekend for anything how can you miss at ten dollars a bottle and if you ordered something like this by the case what does that make it what is it nine dollars eight dollars a bottle and it's not junk it's really good it's such a good wine for ten dollars it really is it's oh my god okay thrilling our next wine, because it is also $10 a bottle. That's our hotspot today. We're all still paying off our Christmas bills. <laughs> that's, so right. That's, that's right. That's what we wine. need. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and Robin's going to tell us about a reset, yeah. uh, you know, on calories for, for, <laughs> thanks to Chinese New Year. Maybe that's our I new like starting it. point. I like a bigger bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> Order now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, this is a wine. It is a Sauvignon Blanc. It does have that forward kind of citrus grapefruity yeah. kind of thing in it. And yeah. it goes with Asian food so well. Anything that has a little heat or spice to it. Yep. Soy or sauce. if you like yeah. this flavor profile and you're just standing around and just like this taste and you want to drink it, it can go well with seafood. It is the Santa... Carolina. It looks like it's Chilean. It looks like Carolina to us. Santa Carolina is how we would say it. This vineyard has been around since 1875. Mark, this is a great thing to recommend. Uh, Last year they were, or two years ago, they were New World Winery of the Year. What does that mean when they call a place New World? So we think of the Old World wines from Europe. And so the New World wines would be... South America, mm-hmm. Australia, Chile, Here Argentina, the United States, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the Western culture. Okay, so that's yeah. that's what we mean. And this Santa Carolina Sauvignon Blanc is from the Leda Estate? Yep, from the Leda Valley, which is a really great place to get Sauvignon Blanc. And that's what I love about this winery is they're really about the sense of place, growing the right grapes in the right valleys. I'm reading about this uh, Leda Estate, and it said that their vineyards are near the Pacific Ocean. And I thought, wait a minute, how is... How is this region located near the Pacific Ocean? Well, the the whole coastline of Chile is on the Pacific Ocean. Did you know Ocean. I did not understand yeah. that that was the case? Yeah. I'm, I'm mortified to tell you. <laughs> so and they get the this, same type of fog that in this area, so just sort of like they do in that central coast. Yeah, yeah in the Napa Valley and central yeah. coast there. And they have a reverse season, right? Our summer, yeah, southern, winter, hemisphere. Exactly. Hemisphere. So they're a half a season ahead of us. So now... Yeah. 
So here we are in the years, yeah, 16 beaches. I remember reading years ago that when there's fog and that humid ocean moisture in the air, yeah. when the grapes are growing near that, plus the wind in the soil, but that's what's giving the aromatics to the grapes and then therefore to the wine. Is that right? There's some truth to that. And then another thing that it does some, is Some, only some. Yeah, there's truth to that. But it also <laughs> helps cool it down. And what happens is because you get such hot afternoons there, that they need that extra time to kind of cool the grapes down. Okay. And as that fog burns off, then it, the day heats up and then that cool comes back in at night. The other benefit is that they're able to grow grapes more organically there because the dry air keeps everything pest-free and mm-hmm. fungus-free. Mm-hmm. So these Alex. guys are growing on pristine land in South America that you know has just recently been planted. And that's how they do it for so inexpensively because the land, you know, if you go to Napa, I forget, what, what's the value of an acre? I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars or something per it. acre. The land price and especially the taxes now on the land. People can't afford to keep the vineyards anymore, and they have to price. So sad. Yeah. The wine's so high. What are people thinking? Yeah. So we talk about like wholesome wines. That if you're going to drink wholesomely at a price, I know people on Facebook were asking for $10 wines that we recommend. Yeah. This is it. These Absolutely. two are Absolutely. It. And they are yeah. right now posted at Food Schmooze, S-C-H like school, foodschmooze.org. Both terrific. I have to say, I'm a rosé fan, and this Finca rosé from Malbec grapes from Argentina at $10 a bottle is an unbelievable. I'm crazy for it. What a steal. So good. I know. Really, really, We're going to have some fun with this this spring. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or now. A few parties. I mean... (laughs) Need a okay. swimming pool. <laughs> Later today. A little, a little pool. Say, you keep <laughs> a little, promising A little that. pool in the backyard with a little rosé. I would bring this to bowl. Ah. I really would. I Absolutely. And people would be saying, what is this? Where is this from? Never you must be Just French. drink and enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Can I skip over to something that is kind of a crazy idea? Just from, Robin, the calorie standpoint, I'm trying to increase the amount of water Mm -hmm. that I drink because, you know, water's not that interesting to me. And I think, come on, is this really important to be hydrated? So I'm in the process of doing that. And last week, we had a wine. I was sitting and there was just a half inch in the glass. And I looked at it and something went click in my head. And I went to the hot water tank and I put hot water in the glass, and what I'd made was a red wine tea. Oh, and I sipped wow. it to taste how it was, and it was delicious. Really? Interesting. Here it is. What's it's the, the illusion? It's the reverse of the spritzer, where you add club soda to club a particular soda. wine. Yeah. It's not so alcoholic, and yet it's refreshing because it's cold. This I could red see that wine being soothing. It was lovely. It's not as high in alcohol. Most Mm -hmm. people would make a toddy from high alcohol spirits. This was just a half inch to an inch of wine or less, depending on your spices. Not a spice in it and topped it with very hot water. And I sat there sipping it and I thought, this is fantastic. So anyone who would like to try... Middleton's wine yeah. tea. <laughs> I invite you to try it. It's you can put very, it in a teapot. <laughs> very warming by the fire, yeah. honestly. Just a little really teacup. fun. Really fun. Give it a try. I'm going to try you that. You could add spices. What would you yeah. add? Cardamom. Yeah, sure. Cinnamon. Cardamom. Mm. Cinnamon. Mm. Mm. 
That's good. There's something like that. Yeah, like that mold wine. It should be mold wine. Yeah. See, I was trying to stay away from doing an, a recipe that exists mm-hmm. and just doing something instant, low alcohol, but was warming, and it was really yeah. just really fun. Huh. Okay, so Robin, as we're coming up to our segment on Chinese New Year, which is right now. Yeah, it's perfect for people who maybe have um, not followed through on their New Year's resolutions that they make around you <laughs> know, January, January 1st. Ones? Right, it's a reset. So you celebrate over January 1st and you come up with the you know five or ten things on your list that you want to improve or do better. New Year's 2.0. That's right. And then like two <laughs> yes. weeks later, you're, you're not exercising like you said you would. You've all fallen off the wagon in certain ways. So you so, want to reset. That's right. That's it. Chinese so New Year is here. This Monday, as is our favorite yeah. phrase, this Monday after <laughs> like Chinese it. New Year, it's it begins. Reset. That's, that's right. it. Does okay. that mean the ellipticals at the gym are going to be full again? again. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're starting <laughs> everyone for down. at least they another week. They just started going down a little <laughs> yeah. bit, right? They just started going down where you could get one. Yeah. And now okay. this will bring it so right back up. I'm yeah. just, Thanks, Robin. So, so what are our <laughs> strategies? I'm just going to say, I mean, we're all about pleasure on the show. So here's what I think. In the end, everybody is different, and every body needs uh, some kind of. Somebody. You have to find that, that too. Are you going to start singing? So every person needs a special way for that body to uh, lose weight. That's what I think. So if there is a universal, it is try not to eat and drink late at night. The trick is, they. some people say, if you're going to try and have a rule, because people like to have mm-hmm. rules, you don't eat later at night than you started breakfast. So if you start oh. breakfast at 7 or so 8 don't, or 9, don't you don't, seven, eat, eight you don't eight eat past yeah. that time. That's a good you rule know, of thumb. There you and, go. and you said drink as well? Though. See, because, you know, I got to tell All you. Oh, the naysayer. <laughs> no, so, so, you His know, arms are folded. Look, ready? Go ahead. Can, the, the Argentine culture, okay, there's... They don't go to dinner until 10, 11 o'clock at but night. But they're up but, dancing until like 3 or 4. Yeah, 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 I get it. They've, but they've, they've worked off dinner. And they walk there. They, and they walk, walk back, just like they do and, all over Europe. But I listen, get it. Argentine culture, not only Argentine. Spanish, No, right? Spanish yeah. culture. Yeah. Spain, Italy, Italian. Italy. But people go out to dinner so much later than we do. But we they go home for five, a nap. Seven. But it's not about eating late. It's about going to bed right after, after you, you eat. So in, in Spain, they divide their day up into three, eight hours. Hour block. So eight hours of work, eight hours of socializing, and eight hours of sleep. It seems well, to work for I get them. Fantastic. I get that. And that well, makes sense. I hope my math is right. From eight until midnight, you're <laughs> out and they stop on the pub on the way home. And they socialize there, and they stop at, at the pub midday. Yeah, they go I can't they socialize there. For, a beer part, at a tapa. Yeah, I can't participate it. here because of the eight work thing. First of all, work what? is for me is what yeah. fourteen on 14 a good hours. day, maybe sixteen. <laughs> yeah, and then sleep on a good night is four, maybe five. That's well, all I can sleep. You're a hard worker. So Where you are. <laughs> okay, stay with us because we've got a dumpling celebration coming your way. We want to hear from you on Facebook about where your favorite dumpling places are. Let us know. It's Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for on-demand podcast delivery of this show, The Food Schmooze Party, every week 
And to find our terrific food, wine, cocktail, restaurant, hot topic subjects, our short, fun streaming videos, and the recipes we feature, we are always online talking with you at foodschmooze.org. Wine's there, too. We'll be right back. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired on January 26th, 2017. Now, 2017 happened to be the year of the rooster, so you may hear Faith refer to that. 2020 is the year of the rat. It's time for an This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and that means the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken, and to hear the show on WNPR, it airs, as you probably know, Thursdays at 3 podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. That's where everybody goes, and we love talking with you there and on Facebook. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Brusberry, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province of Hartford, wine broker Mark Raymond of Wethersfield, and here we go with our special guest because we are celebrating Chinese New Year, which is right now. Thank God we are done with the year of the fire monkey, is what I say. <laughs> we are now turning into the year of the rooster, oh, which somehow cool. seems... All right. Doesn't this seem like the year of the crowing rooster to you? I, okay, enough, monkey enough said about that. Because in celebration of dumplings, we want to thank, in New Haven, Junzi Kitchen, J-U-N-Z-I Kitchen. This is something that Robin coordinated for us. We've just had a great meal from them, and as we tell you... You about the Dumpling Galaxy Cookbook by Helen Yu. We want to make sure that you hear a little bit about what Junzi Kitchen is doing in New Haven. So Junzi Kitchen is a sweet little takeout place over on Broadway near all the Yale shops that specializes in chun, bing, and noodles. Now bing, if you've never had it, is almost like a burrito. The wrapper is flour and water, like a wonton or a dumpling wrapper, and rolled inside the wrap are soy-marinated meats, like beef, pork, chicken. There's also tofu and vegetables. They're very fresh-tasting. Think of it almost as like a a long dumpling. It's not a pleated dumpling or a bao, a bun, but um, it's the flavors of a dumpling with shredded meats and or tofu and vegetables. They have a very yummy sort of roasted sesame sauce wrapped in with the filling or soy sauce, depending on what kind of thing you get. And they're very tasty. They make a very good lunch. 
We're thanking Chris, the chef, because he let me sneak in with my order, even though technically they weren't open yet. It was early this morning. So we really appreciate that. This is a bunch of young people who got together and missed the taste of, was it Northern China? Yes. Yeah, they missed the taste of home in Northern China. And they are the greatest looking bunch of young people. So adorable, a bunch of Yaleys. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, just (laughs) fantastic. And so they've opened this place, Junzi Kitchen. Must try. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're excited really about good. them. Very affordable. And fun, right? Yeah. And I tried something new. I learned about Bing's. Yeah. And I had a rice noodle bowl, which yeah. I loved. Yeah. It oh, was that terrific. This was our way in the studio on the show to celebrate Chinese New Year. And also to do that, we went to this new cookbook. It's called The Dumpling Galaxy by Helen Hugh. She is a chef and owner of Dumpling Galaxy and Jin. Dumpling House in Flushing, Queens, where you can eat around the world in five minutes. It's the most stunning place to eat. Um, She has been praised all over the place. And she teamed up with Max Falkowitz, our guest. He's from Queens, and so he's grown up hunting dumplings and uh, Indian dosas and likes this kind of food. He's also executive digital editor of Sever Magazine, one of our favorites. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, Max, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You must eat around the world all the time in Queens, right? That's what it meant to grow up in Queens was to eat around it. That's what culture is. That's what walking down your building's hallway and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what your neighbor's cooking and sort of sneaking oh. in and asking if you can have a taste. And so that's been it. a very yeah, that's been a very natural part of Queen's life. And you know, there are over two hundred language groups in Queens yeah. and every single uh-huh. one of them, that's what unites them. And as a fellow Queens boy, I know exactly what you're saying. I grew up in Forest Hills and I think some of the best Chinese food in oh, the country yeah. is in Queens. Yeah, hmm. well, some of the best everything seems to be in yeah. Queens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Max, you make me want to move to Queens. I mean, we have some phenomenal places right here, but I want a little secret room somewhere in Queens. My uh, resolution for the new year is to spend more time exploring restaurants in Queens. Cool. Um, I'm inc- with you on that. Including this, this Dumpling Galaxy let us ask you some questions about dumplings, also called pot stickers, correct? Certain types of dumplings are called pot stickers. There's a lot of different names in Chinese, and to be honest, I don't know all of them because they also vary by region, which is to say the same way there's that old joke about how Eskimos have a hundred words for snow, which they don't, but roll with me here. <laughs> yeah. It's the same way with, uh, with, uh, with Chinese and dumplings because there can't just be one word to describe something as perfect and as variable and as delicious as that. So give us some courage. How hard is it to make dumplings at home? So much easier than you think. And it's only as hard as you want to make it. In our book, we recommend that you start with your own homemade dumpling dough because we think it makes dumplings that are much, much, much better. A homemade dough is going to taste light. It's going to taste fresh. It's going to have a really delicate snap. And it's a really easy dough to make. But... If it's a weeknight and you're not going to make that happen, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I'm not making my own dumpling dough most time that I'm making dumplings. You can buy pre-made dumpling wrappers. They'll be a little different. They'll taste more like the wontons that you're used to eating, but better you have a dumpling with a store-bought dough than no dumpling at all. Agreed. Once you take the dough out of the equation, it's really just a matter of mixing together some meat and some vegetables and some seasonings, and if you time it right and you get your pot of water boiling before you get started, we 
we've gotten it down to about 30, 40 minutes if you have all of your ingredients prepped out and ready to go. Max, Great. I went to a party and someone was uh, who does this all the time was making dumplings at home from scratch, gave us each a job. So in a way, it was a dumpling party. Some of us were scooping. She was rolling out the, the dough. Assembly line. It was and the fun, most right? crazy, delicious. I suddenly realized what a revelation a homemade dumpling can yeah. be. Fun party. I it's just, the I, best way to get your friends to help you cook your food for you at a party. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, you know what? I'm telling you, you do dumplings at a party, even if you don't do it the way Faith said and you do them yourself, you look like a rock star. Wow, you made dumplings for us? This is so, <laughs> so crazy worldly. easy. And we have the recipes we're about to talk about on our website, thanks to authors of The Dumpling Galaxy. Here's how easy it is to make a dumpling dough. This is easier than making a pie dough. A couple cups of flour, a little bit of salt, some lukewarm water, and an egg white. Honestly, people, That's incredible. that is it. And the same thing is true whether you're going to pan fry them, you're going to boil them, except if you're going to steam them, it's just flour and water. Really? So, yeah, this is the crazy easiest thing in the world to do. And then it becomes about the filling. That's what I can't wait to talk with you about, Max. One of my favorites would be a classic pork and chive dumplings. We have this on the site at foodschmooze.org. Let's talk about it, Max. That is Helen's favorite dumpling to make. It's one of the most popular at her restaurant. When she started her uh, dumpling stall, Tianjin Dumpling House, 10 years ago, that was one of the original menu items, and it remains incredibly popular because it's the classic, and you're not going to get any better than that. Ground pork... A little bit of sherry cooking wine, freshly grated ginger, soy sauce, salt, garlic chives. So it's just all mixed together. Yeah, you just mix it all together. And it's really about keeping those simple flavors really fresh and really vibrant. When we were working through the cookbook, I showed the recipes in development to some of my other Chinese friends whose parents make their own dumplings. And they would ask, where's the sugar in this? Where's the cornstarch? Where are all these spices that my mom was always adding? And I said, I don't know. Helen doesn't like using them. And it's because Helen really is a big believer in clean and pure flavors. And she really wants everything to taste fresh and bright and Mm. essential. And so that dumpling filling has everything you need and nothing you don't. And that's why she goes for that sherry cooking wine. It's a little bit sweeter than the Shaoxing wine that a lot of southern Chinese use. You don't need to add any sugar. Mm. Make sure to get really good fresh ginger and grate it up to get all that juice in there. Oh, yeah. And that's going to make a dumpling that's going to taste light and beautiful and juicy, and it's not going to be heavy and greasy. That's what's so remarkable to me about the way Helen cooks is that she's really kind of a health nut, which is not what you expect to find in a dumpling chef. Where do you get garlic chives? Because our studio here in New Haven is just a half a block from a great Chinese supermarket, and we can go in and get garlic chives. Where do you advise people get them? That's one of those ingredients that you are going to have to go to an Asian grocery for. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some really well-stocked major supermarkets might carry them, but those are generally ones that have larger Chinese or Korean communities. But if you don't live that close to an Asian grocery store, it's worth a drive to go to one. The chives, if you uh, wrap them up tight in some damp paper towels and then wrap them up in plastic wrap, they'll keep for a while. They're fairly hearty. And the taste is really distinct. It has this Mm. beautiful, mellow, but deliciously stinky onion bite that it's totally different from European chives. And every major city now has a little Chinese neighborhood that has stores. Absolutely. Yeah, you can always find garlic chives anywhere. What what do you recommend that we're dipping these into, Max? 
When I take people to Dumpling Galaxy or when I take them anywhere around Flushing, what I first tell them, if we're going to a place that's known for its dumplings, don't dip them in anything at all. Take a bite first, and if your dumpling uh, is really well made, it shouldn't hmm. need anything. Right. But that said, eventually you're going to want a dipping sauce. In the cookbook, we have three. One of them is a really simple mix of soy sauce and black vinegar with Whoa. some aromatics. Oh. Black vinegar. My favorite is this really, really simple, very potent mix of minced garlic, water, and a drop of lemon juice. And mm, you take wow. like a whole head of garlic and you mince it up really fine and you just mm. let it sit in water and let it rest for a couple of days in the fridge. And it's this wow. really beautiful palate cleansing. It adds this really bright <laughs> note to the dumplings without covering up the natural flavors of the meat and the vegetables with more soy sauce. I like wow. that. I, wow. try, I really want to try that That's one. your raw yeah. garlic sauce that, that you're talking about. Awesome. So these things are available in any supermarket. Soy sauce, rice vinegar, sugar, and minced garlic. Mm. Now, the next thing we have on the site from your book, The Dumpling Galaxy, same name as the restaurant in Queens cookbook by Helen Yu with Max Falkowitz, who also grew up in Queens, ate vegetable dumplings. So for people who don't want to have meat Mm. or before the main course Mm. in a Chinese restaurant, try and go a little vegetable centric, whatever your, your thing might be. Let me just run through this, Max. Chopped Napa cabbage, frozen corn kernels, grated carrots, canned chopped bamboo shoots, Chopped bok choy, that's the fresh stuff right there. The celery is fresh, wood ear mushrooms, chopped broccoli, toasted sesame oil, kosher salt, black pepper, and there you go. You've got this beautiful filling. Helen picks the number eight. Eight is a number with a lot of ritual significance in Chinese culture. And those are the vegetables that she likes. But if you want to swap out any of them for what you have in your fridge, go for it. It's a really flexible recipe. And if you mix them all together well, that sesame oil gives it a bit of depth and body. Mm. But what's happening as the dumplings cook is all of those vegetables just sort of meld their flavors together and form this little miniature broth right inside the mm. dumpling. That's and it's so a dumpling good. that's so I'm hungry. Oh, I know. It's so juicy that yeah. when you bite in, it's it's a spurter. Like oh, I also I always Matt. tell people at Dumpling Galaxy, <laughs> don't wear white when you come here. <laughs> or do wear white so you can bleach it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not on our site, but I just have to mention it. Lamb and cilantro dumplings. Now, oh, some people don't like lamb. Some people don't I like cilantro. Lamb. But if yeah. you are a fan yeah, of both I those am. things, I just went nuts when I saw this. Here we go. Chris, were you going to jump in and say something? I just like the simplicity of it. But that last one, the only really seasoning in there is the sesame oil. Yeah. And then all the vegetables really take center stage. Who in the world in China came up with this idea of sesame oil. It is one of the best flavors on earth, mm, I think. If some genius it. figured out, oh, look, let me taste this oil after I crush these sesame seeds and mm. see what this is like. Here's a dumpling that is so unusual. I've never thought of this combination. Salmon and dill dumplings. It would oh. almost like oh. be salmon and dill sitting on top of pasta, mm-hmm. you know, almost yeah. in a Nordic kind of way. So here Sounds we have great. it inside. So scallion, fresh grated ginger, salmon that is chopped up. If you've got leftover salmon, what a thing to make. Uh, sherry cooking wine, oyster sauce and soy sauce right from the supermarket, pepper, some fresh dill. The fresh dill is the key to this. Go Such ahead, Such an Max. interesting combination, right? If you make it with a little chopped up lox, 
It's, oh. it's not terrible. Oh. The story of, of this dumpling was, so Helen and I were working with our recipe tester, Amy, for five very feverish months, and that involved a lot of late nights. And Helen averages about two to three hours of sleep a night mm-hmm. because between the two restaurants and the book and her three kids and everything else that she has going on, she's just constantly up. So we had a lot of late night conversations. And we were talking through some recipes and we were talking through what we needed to include. And she said, Max, I've been thinking about doing a dumpling with salmon and dill. And I've also been thinking about doing this dumpling. And it's like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Go, go back for a second. Talk to me about this. She says, yes, you take salmon and you add dill and you add some aromatics and then you put it in a dumpling and it'll be great. And that's mm. how she operates. This is this is a woman who, ever since she got to this country, has been playing with the ingredients that she can find here. I love She's it. Yeah. not a slave to tradition. That's She's great. really a tinkerer. And salmon is not an ingredient you find much in Chinese cooking, but she loves it. Dill, however, is an ingredient you find a lot in Chinese cooking, especially in northern China, mm. where Helen is from in the city of Tianjin. And it's a beautiful combination. It's the kind of thing that I would serve at brunch. I was going to say, yeah. Brunch sounds great. Yeah, and add a little caviar too and some sour cream and it's also not terrible. Yeah. I I just want to add in this year of the crowing rooster in the new Chinese (laughs) calendar, happy Chinese New Year, by the way. How much gratitude do we have to immigrants who have come to this country Mm -hmm. and not only brought us the food of their lands, but adapted it and incorporated and come up with new things based on just as Helen Yu is doing. How lucky are we, if you love food and culture, to have this in our midst? It's just... It's a story of American food yeah, right there. That's exactly. it. That is it. That yeah, is yeah. American. That's really, us. Just thank you all. I mean, my people came here yeah. from someplace else. I know everybody on the show, that's true. So, yeah. Max, you're a terrific guest. And, um, well, thank you. You're a terrific host. <laughs> oh, so love to have you here. And please tell Helen you for us. We're so grateful she's done this book, The Dumpling Galaxy Cookbook. It's also the name of her restaurant in Queens. And we are real dumpling fans. And she'll be seeing us in a restaurant soon. Yes, yeah, she will. Road trip to Road Queens. Trip. Road trip. Right. Coming right up. <laughs> don't, uh, eat, okay. don't eat breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm going to get a thousand emails. Does she ever do them gluten-free? That's a tricky one because yeah. the dumpling dough has so few ingredients in it. It's, yeah. uh, it's tricky to, to get it to bind. But what I would say is that if you have a gluten-free mix that you're really happy with, whether that's cup-for-cup cup flour or something else, mm. something that you use for bread, give it a shot. It's something I can't say that we've tested but yeah. it's a simple enough dough that it's worth trying out. Everyone knows what a good dumpling wrapper should be like, and so yeah. you'll have a pretty quick sense of whether or not it will mm. work for ah, you. And there's also Very einkorn cool. flour, which yeah. would make a kind of crunchy dough, which would be great. Mm. Thank you, Max. We have all the recipes we've talked about and information about the book at foodschmooze.org. You know our slogan, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Faith Middleton.